Howdy, welcome back to Tales from the Pits. This is Brian. And Andrew. And hey, we're not in a car this time, Andrew. No, we are in a pit room. Well, should I make the car noise in the background, annoying everybody? Is that good? I Don't think that's worry, good. we've got plenty of more car talk coming up next week. So, uh, Car talk? Are you clicking? I'm clack? Oh, the sh- Tappet Brothers? Copyright infringement. Oh, stop sh- that. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, uh, Howie Sulem and Lou or whatever their names were. All right. Anyway, um, apparently we do barbecue or something. Yeah, we're, uh, we're in the pit room here at Bodacious. Uh, we're about to interview Jordan and Scott. Um, we finished up our East Texas leg of the tour today. Um, we, we hit Bodacious first thing in the morning this morning and then went over to uh, Jefferson, Texas to hit up Joseph's Riverport and then uh, over to Tyler to hit up Stanley's famous pit barbecue. And now we're back at Bodacious uh, just uh, chatting with uh, Jordan and Scott here in a little bit, and uh, let's talk a little bit about what we what we ate today, Brian. We ate? We, we really? We ate lots. Yeah. So um, my second visit back to uh, Bodacious, I'm doing a ride along here. I did need to get a sticker at um, Stanley's. It'll be my third trip. Uh, tempting to get a sticker, but of course eating the barbecue, and I've been there before. But um, anyway, um, did the ride along because I did want to eat at Bodacious, and it'll be my third trip to Riverport. Uh, so... Got a pretty big plate of bodacious. Yeah, yeah. we did a we did a good amount of brisket, uh, baby, baby back ribs. Um, had the sausage. What else did we eat? Both sausages, Both sa- a, a regular yeah, we had, and jalapeno yeah, cheese. Yeah, regular and jalapeno cheese sausage. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a pretty good spread. It was really excellent. Barbecue. Pulled pork. Yeah, uh, we one pulled of the better pulled well. porks we've had in a Europe. long, long time. Yeah, it was it was really good. Really good bark on it. Um, really moist. The way they the way they pull the pork. Um, Kept to kept some good chunks of pork intact, which I think helps retain the moisture in it. It was really proper pulling of your pork is very important. It is critical. I mean, if you don't pull your pork properly, it's a mess. Yeah, it just becomes a mess. Yeah, it's 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 just this limp thing that you just don't want to eat. Okay, we're gonna stop there. All right, so then we moved on to uh, to Riverport. Oh wait, wait, we did. Let's just okay, to yeah, give yeah, them yeah. credit, right? I mean, the 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 baby backs here were excellent. Oh they yes, were very excellent. They had a sweet glaze that was really tasty. Yeah, meat was cooked great. They use a mix of mesquite and oak here, so right. you brisket fat was done extremely right. well rendered on that brisket today. Uh, just we just had a sample. It's five thirty at night. We just had a sample of literally the last brisket of the day, and it may have been better than the first brisket we got. We're just saying something because the first brisket was excellent. Uh, outstanding. Um, really, really good visit. Um, very consistent from my first visit to now, and that's another thing. You really can't judge a place on one visit. You got to come a couple of times, preferably at least three. Um, but I think solid, very, very solid. I'd love to come back if I ever have a reason to get back into this town again, um, which is on the way to some places for me, kind of, sort of. So maybe. Um, then we rode up out into Jefferson, Texas. Um, Andrew's first visit out to Riverport. Right, we got uh, we got a little bit of turkey, we got some more moist brisket, and we got some pork ribs as well. Um, the pork ribs are really good; they had a really nice glaze on them. Um, the turkey I thought was uh, one of the better turkeys I've had in a long time. Really good smoke penetration. Uh, a lot, of, a lot of smoke on that turkey. And once again, penetration is so important. Hey, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, we, we we enjoyed there. That was a packed place today. They had a pretty full house out there. Um, and people coming in constantly while we were there. Obviously, we saw Stephen Joseph was cutting out some. Uh, he was doing several uh, uh, catering orders right, at the same a time. Really yeah. large catering orders going out. I mean, it was it was booming out there today. Um, we did see some passport seekers out there, not a ton, um, but did see some out there today. Um, but we we really enjoyed uh, Riverport. Uh, from there, we headed on to Stanley's in Tyler, Texas. 
Uh, again, as Brian said, this was his third trip. The first time he came was a couple days after the list came out, and they hadn't gotten stickers yet. The second time he came with his wife, Leslie, and she got the last sticker right in front of him. Yeah, that was pretty brutal. It really was. I, I really like that story. <laughs> and then uh, so we, we, uh, we, we made the trek out here today because I hadn't done any of the East Texas runs yet. So, uh, so I was coming out here with or without him. Um, but we, uh, he came out there with me. We, we finished it up. Uh, we did a we, – we got – what did we get at Tyler at uh, Stanley's? We got baby back ribs, baby um, backs, a little brisket, moist brisket, and then we got potato well, we, salad. We got a plate, so we had the yeah, yeah, yeah potato beans, salad, yeah, beans, and coleslaw. coleslaw. And all three come on the plate, which is unusual. Usually, you only get two sides. Right, you, you don't see that very often. But yeah, you got three three sides with your meat plate out at uh, Stanley's. And Stanley's again was packed house. Um, they had live music going on. Stanley's is you know one of those places that's open for lunch and dinner, and it's a from what I understand, it's a really good dinner crowd. They've got music going on at night. It's a good place to sit out and have some drinks uh, when the weather's nice out in the patio. Um, so we finished up at Stanley's and headed back to uh, Longview to interview Scott and Jordan. That's where we are now in the pit room. Yes, Jordan Jackson and Scott Turner. Turner. Thank you very much, everybody. <laughs> Not Will Turner either. Um, Scott Turner, Jordan Jackson. Um, we will also come out and talk about the pits here. They have some very unique pits, um, especially uh, the one that just kind of I'm. I'm really enamored with is this this old steam tank pit here, um, old steam vessel actually on a railroad, um, a train right, engine that is now converted a to a pit. Looking pit. Uh, Brian got some good pictures of it. Uh, we are going to have launched by the time you hear this, we'll have a Instagram for this podcast. Um, by the end of this podcast, I'll give you the name for that Instagram because I'm going to register it right now. <laughs> All right, we'll take a break and we'll get back on that interview. All right, we're here uh, Saturday uh, after close at Bodacious. And we're here uh, interviewing Scott Turner and Jordan Jackson from Bodacious. Um, a pretty busy Saturday. There was a pretty steady stream of people in here when we were here first thing in the morning and then uh, even busier at the end of the day when we got in here. Um, so, uh, guys, we'll, we'll start with a little bit about your backgrounds um, in, in the cooking world and in the barbecue world. Because I know you guys have pretty unique stories of how you got to where you are right now. Um, Jordan, we want to start with you uh, as far as your, uh, I know you have a culinary school background. Yes, I am a graduate of Le Cordon Bleu, as is Scott. And that's where we met. And everything you did in culinary school, you had to have a partner. You cooked in twos. And for some reason... Scott and I just, we wouldn't even be anybody else's partner but each other. We just made every dish together, and it was, we got really good at, like, baking, and we had a, a certain protocol. I, like, I made the stuff, and he decorated everything. <laughs> Remember those days? <laughs> I was, you don't want to see me decorate or write or anything, and Scott's, like, super artistic and a perfectionist, and I'm, I'm just horrible at all that stuff. So, we we always stuck real close together and as far as cooking and, and working. I mean, we've actually worked like four jobs together, didn't it? I think so, yeah. Three or four. Uh, we worked at Annie's together. Um, I forgot about that one. Worked at the hotel <laughs> in Savannah, the other hotel in Hilton Head, and here. I don't know. We were even roommates for a while, so I mean, like, I guess we're really good friends, and can't can't seem to get away with, from this guy. So, <laughs> so 
And, and after you graduated, um, you went off to Savannah. That was your first first job straight out of there. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Um, and when we're in restaurant port portion of a culinary school, they made us. They had a big job fair that day, and the chef was like, "Y'all need to go out there. It's part of your grade." And I already had one lined up at a catering company called Pink Avocado Catering, and so I didn't go out there. And my chef came up and said, "I'm going to fail you if you don't go out." look around at this job fair so I walked around kind of you know with my head down and kicking my feet and I saw this cardboard cutout of Savannah Georgia and this little white haired chef sitting there I just went up there and started talking to him it was chef you know it would soon be our chef so I started talking to him and I said what what kind of money are you going to give me if I come to Savannah and he's like oh I give you five dollars or I mean ten dollars an, an hour and he's a French guy I'm in. I'm in. Um, and Paige and I had just signed a lease on a apartment in Austin. And then here I go taking a externship in Savannah, Georgia. So I said, Scott, you want to go to Savannah and live and work? He's like, if you can get me on. And I, I got hold of the chef and got him hired on. So we literally moved to Savannah like two days after we graduated. Yeah, that was, uh, I basically, lease was up, just got out of a long-term relationship, looking to, uh, looking for anything else, just a change, and said, well, I'm going to, I'm going to Savannah, but, uh, you know, don't want to go there alone, don't know anybody out there, and I was like, well, I'll go with you, hell, why not? And so, uh, you know, next thing you know, a couple weeks later, we're loading up the car and heading to, heading to Georgia, so it was, uh, quite the, quite the move, for sure. So, Scott had always really worked in the fine dining world, and I'd always been in barbecue and catering, and I worked at a really high-end catering joint down there in Austin. And so I, when I signed on to the hotel, I, I stayed on with banquets. I worked in their banquet department, and Scott worked in the um, the restaurant, the hotel restaurant, which was called Aquastar, and he was the uh, the very famous. Sounds like OnStar for boats. <laughs> <laughs> Tasted yeah. like OnStar for boats. <laughs> I made the mistake of letting the uh, our French chef know that I knew how to de- you know decorate and, and make things look nice. So I, it's I went from like the grill and whatnot, which I was always good at, and was most of my experience is, is in the fine dining world is, is meat and cutting, you know, trimming bri- like uh, not brisket, but uh, tenderloins and doing all the fancy stuff, fish fabrication and everything. And then uh, I you know made the mistake of having them know that I could uh, decorate a dessert plate and. It was garmanger from then on, salads and desserts. That was my that was my world. You were his store. famous uh, dessert decorator, and I was always laughing. My How many off. times did you write "Happy Birthday"? I have ri- I have written "Happy Birthday" <laughs> or "Happy Anniversary" <laughs> in chocolate on plates more times than I would like to admit. I, I'm going to say you know the over under is 100. I'm definitely going over. So for you sure. went from croissantier to garmanger. Okay, pretty much. Uh, yeah, nice. How many times did you actually mean it? Yeah, never. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, when you were there, is that where you learned the um, the uh, toffee recipe, or is that later? No, no. We uh, that was a little bit later. Uh, when I, I uh, after our externship was over, Jordan uh, moved back to Longview. That day, literally that day, <laughs> it was over, and he was gone, and uh, he you know did the whole family thing. Went went. went uh, back to his then girlfriend. Well, it, let me yeah. let me rephrase this. I had to get this then girlfriend to be my girlfriend again. Um, we had <laughs> split up when I moved to Savannah, and 
because I moved to Savannah and we'd already had all these promises to live in Austin and do all that stuff and I just jumped ship and moved down there because I, I thought this might be the last chance I get to move away and do something cool with the culinary world so I'd made this promise to her I will I'm coming home the day it's over with and the day that I was cleared I loaded up my then Yukon and drove 17 straight hours to her doorstep and she was just like yeah but we'll just have to see oh, <laughs> no. so I had just moved back and I was like hoping that she would take me back and you know I had, it took a lot of wooing and here we are married for five years and fixing to have our second child and so Scott continued to stay I had only stayed in Savannah for three months Scott stayed on for what a year yeah about a year I, st- I ended up staying there pretty much imme- almost immediately left the Weston hotel that we were working at because it was you know as much as I like writing happy anniversary on a plate of chocolate I was looking for something a little bit more so uh, I ended up getting a job at the uh, the mansion on Forsyth Park, which is the uh, one of the top fine dining restaurants there in the middle of Savannah, down in the historic district. And uh, worked for a great chef, Michael Semancic was his name, and uh, learned a ton from that guy. And uh, kind of started out as the lead line cook, kind of got on and proved I could, you know, handle my stuff and um, worked my way up to sous chef and did all that. And... Uh, you know, it was just, you start to get homesick and kind of compla- you know, complacent with what you're doing, and just you need to kind of you need a change. And I, I went through a bit of a phase, obviously, with the, the travels that I've been through. But uh, you just want to get up and get out and just keep experiencing things. You don't want to, you don't want to, you know, get too serious with anything. It's like a fear of commitment with work. You know, it's uh, so we start. So I, uh, you know, worked there for, for about a year, and then went to uh, ended up going back to Dallas, where I'm from, and. Uh, that's where I uh, was just looking for direction, really. Didn't know where I wanted to go, what I wanted to do, although I obviously wanted it to be in the food world, and I uh, ended up uh, joining on to the Union Bear in West Village in Dallas with uh, Chef John Kleipchen, and which is great. Learned a lot from him, and he is the one who taught me how to make that toffee. And and about that toffee, the reason why I brought it up is because what are you guys doing with that now here as part of the barbecue restaurant? So as the... Um, as we, uh, this whole Texas Monthly Top 50 thing came out, we got invited to the uh, first Texas Monthly Meetup there in Houston. And we wanted to do something different because we knew, you know, as far as there wasn't just barbecue uh, places being uh, represented there. And we wanted to uh, not just be that the guy that brings brisket to the you know, meetup or whatever. And so we wanted to, we don't want to change things up. And uh, we, Jordan and I got to talking about what we could do with, uh, you know, as far as, Make it something a little more fancy, not you know, not too fancy, but uh, wanted to uh, do something a little more creative. And uh, so we got to talk about what we could do and what our abilities are. And we got to talk about candy and confectionery stuff and the fact we that wanted to make a dessert. Exactly, and we needed yeah, to incorporate yeah. meat into it. <laughs> yes. uh, everybody likes bacon, so we we're really tight with Forty Four Farms, and we got some beef belly to play with, and we tried. I think I got a recipe from Meathead and tried a kind of a wet cure bacon and it was eh, it wasn't what we were looking for and Scott said I think I got an old bacon cure from well, yeah, the Union old Chef John Clapton from the Union Bear and so I had the uh, already had the toffee recipe from him and uh, I remember I had uh, had saved a few of the recipes after he had gone because I, I had ended up taking over for him as head chef for a while and uh, 
I had, uh, it was like, we got these a couple recipes, let's try to make a candy bar. Why not? You know, we'll uh, just make a, it's basically a Heath bar. You wrap, you wrap that toffee and chocolate, you got yourself a Heath bar. What if we put that 44 forms bacon in there instead? And, uh, no, as well. As well. That's <laughs> and uh, so it, you know, okay, I went from there and uh, did a few test batches just here and there, just really messing around. We weren't sure what we wanted to do. We're a couple months away from the meetup. It was and, a very slow process. I mean, we yeah. Scott would make some. We were slower at this point too. We weren't yet in the in the top. And I remember it was just like try a little bit, got some candy. It was really the hardest part was the bacon getting yep. it right. It's still to this day. We just bought a slicer this week, and I think that's going to help kind of yeah. streamline it. Yeah, more yeah. so than anything. As much but, as I pride myself on my knife abilities, the uh, you know slice and bacon exactly the same every single slice. It's the easiest thing to do. So we uh, yeah we we uh, decided to go that uh, Heath bar with the bacon route, and uh, sure enough, it was a huge hit at Texas Monthly and everybody or the meetup I should say, and everybody was you know loving it. And so we decided to uh, keep it going, and so now we're selling it at the at here at the at the restaurant. Okay. Excellent, excellent dish. Nice, uh, you know, you get the candy, you get the Heath bar, and again, great that the um, that the uh, the toffee is actually handmade. Really, really impressive. Right. Yeah, we had it at the meetup, and it was <coughs> excellent there. And then we were fortunate we had it a little bit of it today as well. And I think it's actually even better than it was at the meetup. And yeah, it's it's so unique. I don't think there's anywhere else in Texas that I know of that's doing anything like this from a barbecue standpoint. So uh, we, we enjoyed it. I know some people have done some one-off specials, but as far as actually having it on a menu and serving it regularly. I believe Brian actually had some of the first of it that we ever made. It was, it was, yeah, that, that day was really good. That was, that was a surprising, yeah. Uh, we didn't have the right chocolate. We I ordered some more chocolate because we needed some, and they accidentally sent a different version of it. It wasn't as dark of a chocolate, and... My God, it just changed the whole toffee bar to me. Like that chocolate. We had a, like a more of a dark chocolate at first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It worked, but it, it didn't do like what this is doing. I think it kind of set it apart. And then awkward silence. <laughs> <laughs> so while, uh, okay, so moving on to where we were, um, Scott was Scott was in Dallas. You, you'd moved back to Longview at that yes, point? Yes, yes. Okay, so uh, so Jordan, where were you at in your cooking career at that point when you moved back to Long? You, you, I did. You wooed uh, your girlfriend, got her back. Yeah, that was my then girlfriend, now wife. Um, so I went out looking for jobs, and I went and interviewed at a place called Cafe Barons here in Longview, which is kind of like French Italian food, and I guess pretty is well French known. Italian food very popular in Longview? No. I'm just checking. It's not <laughs> high end. Uh, there is no such thing as high end food here, and it was the it was the closest thing I could find to what I was wanting to do as a career. So, I actually Nick Pences from Stanley's had texted me that um, a guy that owns a catering company in Jacksonville, Texas. What is the name of it? Oh, he's going to be mad at me for not knowing this. Um, Sadler's. Oh, yeah, Catering. Sadler's, yeah. yeah. Sadler's, Sadler's Smokehouse, right? No, not that's no, okay, Houston. a different one, yeah. This is Sadler's, uh, the catering company, and he actually owned a catering company and a restaurant combined, and then he also bought a barbecue place called DJ's in Jacksonville. So he was looking somebody looking for somebody to kind of run all that stuff, and it, his, actual, his name is uh, Rob Gowen, 
and he's Toby Goins' brother, the punter that used to play for the Cowboys. Oh, wow. So he, I went over there and did some caterings for him. I did a catering for uh, Mike Huckabee from, the, I guess, the governor of Arkansas at one point, or what, I'm not very political, he was something... <laughs> He's a politician. Yeah, he's yeah, a politician. There he is. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I did a, a catering for that and did real well. And so I was in a pickle. Do I want to drive sixty-one miles one way to work, or do I want to drive three miles to Barrens? And I thought about it, and I just decided to go with Barrens. And so I was the night chef there for a good two years, and I have to say I wasn't that happy doing that because you know cooking sea bass and and halibut and all that stuff all the time just wasn't my deal I mean fish <laughs> but I used to fly in fish from Hawaii all the time that was oh, wow. cool I was going to ask is on our way up here there was a, um, a seafood restaurant somewhere oh yeah we, we passed Nacogdoches seafood oh no yeah. We, oh no well, yeah we kept driving but uh, <laughs> but we were wondering this you know there's so many you know rivers and lakes and oceans around yeah. here how fresh could the seafood be but yeah you say you're flying I, in from Hawaii I, the best sushi I've ever had was in Nebraska <laughs> 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 uh, yeah so I was flying in fish and stuff and doing some really cool specials and stuff but man I just got bored doing that shit it just wasn't my deal and I just all I could think about was cafe food and you know winter style food like real hearty stuff like brisket and and just fatty meats, and so... We think still, about that a lot, too. Yeah, I, I, I just... I still continue to work there because I had a daughter, and, you know, you can't just quit a job. And So I was making barbecue sauce for Roland and him. I was waking up at... Getting there at 6 in the morning and leaving at 12.30, and going from there to Barron's at 2 to 10, and I was just killing myself, trying to help support the family, and... My wife and I had a, a, I guess a disagreement, and it was kind of bad where I didn't know if we were going to stay married and prayed about it and went and stayed with my buddy and drank, and Nick Pences called me the next morning, and he asked me to be a chef, and that's when the whole me getting the, into the barbecue world came back, because I had worked this is my third time to work at this restaurant. I worked here in 2003 and 2009, and I've also worked all over Austin in barbecue places, but I was kind of sad about barbecue because I always thought it was really bad everywhere you went. It was before the big and barbecue we call hike. We call that after Franklin. AF. At the after AF. Franklin. Yeah. 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 Before <laughs> Franklin and after Franklin. And I had, I mean, this. I was down there in Austin at a time when my favorite barbecue was the Green Mesquite. That's nothing against the Green Mesquite or anything, but it was just... It's a different style. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, the the style that Franklin perfected yeah. is a different style of barbecue. And, and what he did was he launched, you know, a lot of people say the word renaissance. Yeah. But he launched a renaissance of that style. He did. You know, it's, and it's not knocking Lockhart. It's not locking Taylor. It's mm-hmm. not knocking any of these other places. They were doing great. Right. And they've continued to improve, but, but he... He perfected that, publicized that, mm-hmm. and made a larger audience for these restaurants, which then opened up more volume so that other other quality places could open. It's I think exactly it's, it's a right. big change. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think one of the things that, that Aaron Franklin did was 
barbecue didn't always have to be whatever you didn't sell the day before anymore. And these humble cuts like brisket could be, you, you could do some pretty phenomenal things with it if you cooked it right, if you seasoned it right, if you use, you know, if you use the right amount of smoke and right amount of wood. And obviously that, you know, that that's created a whole different genre of barbecue, as Brian was saying. Um, but uh, let's go back a little bit, because I know you mentioned Roland. Mm-hmm. Um for, for those in the podcast world that may be listening to this, Roland Lindsay is one of the uh, legends of uh, Texas barbecue. Um, launched bo- the Bodacious Barbecue back in 1968. This one started in 68, but he had actually been in like Duncanville and Commerce and all that way before. I mean, and all these things that we talk about with, you know, trim briskets are new and all this and trimming a brisket. And he's like, shit, we were buying Angelo trims in the 60s and they were coming in just like the way we trim them and he said you could just walk right through one after you got done cooking it and there was no waste so trim briskets have actually been around for a long time um, why they haven't been more standardized I don't know I mean I don't understand what the knob of the bottom of a brisket serves I, it's kind of like an appendix you know you don't need it but it's there and I still can't figure out why that son of a bitch is on a brisket <laughs> Now, uh, is there kind of to that point too? What you're doing now is different than what what was done then. Those seasonings or cooking times or anything, or is it with, still very with the way similar? Roland did it? You're right. Um, I mean, because as we talked, like this Renaissance <coughs> change, has there been a change in that, or is it just more consistency in what that was? You know, he's always been doing that. Like he had, he had wrapped briskets a long time ago. He put them in paper bags. This, I mean. All these things that he's doing and has done, it's like 40 years, 50 years ago. It's crazy. The stories he tells. I think the same kind of with uh, Fred Fontaine and Louis yeah, Miller and, yeah, and right. some of the others, it's, right? Where they, that, that same time, I think. He said he used, he could buy really good meats back then. You could tell the way the fat rendered it looked different. And so he started getting into seasoning briskets with like straight Maxine and um, at one point, and then he, de- he developed that bean spice and he used to season it he always seasoned his briskets with something with chili base or whatever so he, he invented that bean spice and he would put a little bit of the meat in the beans and what better way to top up some brisket with already your bean spice that into your beans and he's always done that so I have come along and messed around with the bean spice and kind of put a Central Texas approach to it and I Roland and I are very similar in the way we do a lot of things, and we're both we're never in a hurry. I kept that going. I'm very particular, and about he's always bought real expensive meats, always bought fresh. I do that. Um, we just take our time, and it's all about the quality. And Scott and I are to this day, if, we, if there's a piece of meat we wouldn't eat or we won't serve it, we will throw it in the trash. And that's you know that that's one of the big things that I think separates you know the, the very top of Texas barbecue from from anything else is is the pride that's taken in the cooking process, the serving process, um, and it's not something that you get everywhere. And so when you do see it, especially Brian and I, that we eat as much barbecue as we do, when we do see it, it's something that we personally appreciate a lot is the care that's taken with everything that's done. Um, but go, going back a little bit, now we've got so so now so now you've you, you you've gotten a call from Nick Pences with Stanley's yes, with Stanley's and so I go do an interview a working interview with him and 
his chef had quit and I went and catered a party for Clay Cavender and it was a private party where they actually rented the whole um, patio, which is something Nick never let people do. It was usually it was like free for all skate. That's what we always <laughs> say. Like everybody skates together, even though everybody's having birthdays together. Pat Green was like playing like an intimate show there, and it was kind of cool. And you know, there's a lot of people there, so I I did this party for them, and it, we did really well and knocked it out of the park. And so we were still in negotiations after that when I went back to Barron's and. So Nick finally and I reached an agreement, and I started two days after uh, Mother's Day in 2013, and I worked there for two years with Jonathan Shaw, my baby. And, uh, <laughs> so me and him were like me and Scott. Like we could just work well together, and we did everything. We cooked all day together, and it was like you—you you have to become almost best friends when you. We're, you're rubbing elbows with somebody every day, you know. There's a language you speak that it really can't be taught. You um, could have got cold beer. I mean, but this, it, this is what happens when somebody only works here for five days. I got it in the cold section. <laughs> what cold section? So this uh, little segue yeah, yeah, yeah. is brought to you by Modelo, <laughs> even though they're in no way sponsoring this. But uh, especially, but they're uh, welcome yeah. to. But they're, yeah, they're absolutely. <coughs> Give us a call. Ring, ring. So yeah, Scott and I have worked together for so long in so many places, and like we we learned. I mean, Scott already knew a lot more than I ever did about that the culinary world going into culinary school. I was. I was more business driven, but I knew how to cook really well for a guy that didn't do any kind of formal training or anything. So we we learned a lot, and we, we really learned how to speak a language that only him and I know. I mean, we've got these words and phrases and shit that <laughs> if anybody else heard us talking, they would be kind of... Highly offended. Highly offended <laughs> and not believing some stuff, but... We know the same technique, and, like, we're an extension of each other's arms when it comes to cooking and minds, too. We think alike, and there'll be instances where, like, did you? And, like, yeah, I already, already got it off, you know. Without even, We're, like, finishing sentences and stuff. And yeah, the, the trust is very important, right? Very you important. Can, you can walk away or switch mm-hmm. meats in one day, and the other guy's going to take care of it without, without having to be concerned. Yes. And that, that takes a lot of time together. That takes a lot of experience. And it takes a lot of talent yes. on both sides, for sure. And, and Jonathan and I had that. I really learned the game of chess with Jonathan, um, with, with, with Stanley's, because we had four pits, and all four pits had every square inch of food on every square inch of every pit. So you learn how to turn your head into a pit map, and you're moving <laughs> food from pits that are outside to inside when you need to finish them, and you're just playing chess all day long. And... Jonathan and I had a language as well. We knew how to work all this stuff together. And Scott and I, I mean, Scott literally came in here with no barbecue knowledge. And I could leave him alone with the whole restaurant in a month without, I mean, from, like, cooking and doing everything in a month. And, I mean, like, who the hell can do that besides this guy right here? <laughs> so, right, while, uh, so while Jordan's at Stanley's yeah. playing barbecue chess. Yeah. We've got Scott, and Scott has uh, left Savannah, or yeah, left Savannah, gone to Dallas, and now uh, 
yeah. Dallas is starting to uh, change a little bit for you. Yeah, so I was I went from Savannah to Dallas. Uh, got that job at the Union there, again where I met uh, Chef John Collection and uh, learned all the toffee recipes, all that good stuff. And uh, was getting a bit burnt out. Uh, John had left, and uh, I took over for him, and was still doing my job. So I was head chef and sous chef for about nine months after that, and uh, did as much as I could do without. Uh, you know, want to kill somebody, and uh, eventually got to that point where I just want to. Uh, I wanted to. I still needed that change, but still, you know, Mr. Fear commitment over here. Just wanting to want to move around and, and keep keep the uh, experiences rolling. And so I, uh, because it seemed a bit of a dead end. You know, it was one of those jobs uh, where it was you have eight different owners and everybody's got their own opinions, and I'm getting told eight different things all the time. And with well, the reason John left, you had to do the TPS reports. I base I was getting <laughs> office space to death, <laughs> and for sure. And my TPS reports were not on time. And uh, basically, it got to that point where it's you know it's either uh, I need to get paid more, or I need to move on, and uh, so I moved on. And uh, found, I randomly found this job online on a uh, website called MercenaryChefs.com, actually. <laughs> Uh, which was a uh, a head chef gig at a uh, guest ranch in Wyoming, in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, just south of Yellowstone. And so I was like, that looks intriguing. And I've always been the more of uh, just like, when we, you know, the kind of uh, leap before you look kind of type. And that's exactly the way I went to Savannah with Jordan was, you know, he had his plan and I decided I was just going to go and then we would figure it out. And so I saw this job offer. I applied for it. They called me and said, you know, you got the job if you want it. So. <coughs> I took it, and uh, next thing you know, a couple months later, I'm moving up to Wyoming, and uh, a place I'd never even been, and uh, so I was the head chef at this guest ranch called the Heart Six Ranch um, in the Buffalo Valley there in Wyoming, and it was awesome. Like, we lived and worked on the ranch. It was like living in a postcard. You walk outside, and you've got the Snake River and um, the Buffalo Fork River right in front of you with the Tetons in the background. It was stupid. Were the like, briskets beautiful. jumping out of the Snake River? <laughs> yeah, Swimming upstream yeah. every, every at, fall. At, that, yes, at yes. that point, it was more elk, moose, and, and trout. But uh, so I so I, I worked there, and it's still you know it's still. And, and you did some barbecue there too, right? I yeah. did. We uh, we were trying to co- combine the uh, white tablecloth feel of a fine dining restaurant with the chuck wagon feel of being at a guest ranch and riding horses and doing river trips and whatnot like, and everything like that. So we. Uh, had all these people, you know, come in and do the inclusive package where the families or couples would stay for a week. And so I had to do a cyclical menu where you, you have every week it resets. And uh, so we decided to do like a, we had a rodeo in town in, in Jackson. And so we would do a barbecue uh, picnic. And so I decided, you know what, I'm going to, I'll uh, cook some brisket. So who's the first person I called was Jordan. I said, hey man, like I need to cook some briskets. Never done it before. How do I do it? I even helped you yeah, get I a, a pit. Yeah, I was I was in the oh, market for a pit. I didn't know what what to do. Like, I, you know, should I pay two grand for this you know, for this little thing, or should I, you know, go all in for sixteen grand for this awesome pit? Or I was trying to get you to go all in. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine it's easy to get a pit in Wyoming. It is not easy, and uh, like the ones I were looking at were from Texas. I was going to have to get shipped up here, and it just <laughs> financially it didn't make sense for one night of brisket for this thing. I so, so I uh, of course the first thing just just to cover. My my bases, I went to uh, you know uh, uh, Kmart, which was the only the only place to get anything if you wanted to you know buy underwear or, the, the, or something. The that's barbecue <laughs> pit section at Kmart. Yes, <laughs> yes, which was you know rows that, and uh, rows of all different yes. kinds. That, that's where most of the top fifty list began. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah, right. And so you get uh, so I got my my little backyard pit with the uh, you know. But mind you, he's like twenty eight and this. 
it's not like Grant last week being like 12. Get yeah. this pit, it's got to like 28. So, so I get this crappy backyard barbecue pit with like the, the gauge of the steel was probably about like parchment paper thin. I mean, you know, it couldn't hold him to save his life. But I, I, so I was struggling along with that and just straight up trial and error process. And, uh, and I finally broke down and because of how busy I was, because, you know, the job I had, it was me and then a bunch of kids, you know, like, uh, you know, working at a ranch and whatnot. And, uh, so I didn't have many employees I could rely on, which le- left a lot on my shoulders. So I decided, had done a lot of research and, and uh, ended up buying a Green Mountain pellet grill, and which is great, you know, for what it is. It's, uh, you know, nothing against the uh, people who use pellet smokers. It's fantastic if you, if you don't I, I think pellets are a good starter pit for people. Absolutely. If you're really um, trying to One learn. of the options. I mean, if you're going to eventually get to an offset, it's better to just cut your teeth, I think, on the offset. But if you want a, a very easy to use pit that does impart smoke, they're you know exactly. pellet of all different brands. Pellets are good pits, and, and I could set it and forget it, as they say on the infomercial. They can sponsor us too. Yes, <laughs> Green Mountain, shout out. Uh, so I uh, so I got you know I got to the point where I was doing these briskets overnight uh, on this like pellet grill. <laughs> oh yeah, well Buley Moberg actually, yeah. <laughs> right. yes, yes. but Buley too. Buley Moberg. There's a few yeah. pit builders. Aaron Franklin himself is welcome to build a pit for us. <laughs> So I get to working on this pellet grill, and uh, it's coming out good. It's way better than it was on my Kmart uh, offset. So uh, I get to working on this thing, and, you know, it's great because you can, you know, set it and forget it type of thing, and you, you just put it on and go do the rest of the work that you need to do. And uh, it's hilarious because the employees always said, like, this is the best barbecue I've ever had. and th- Which mean, actually could be true. No, it was shit. Like it was. No, no. I mean, but it could have been the best barbecue they ever had. <laughs> sure, sure. That's, that's understandable because everybody's from the Midwest. You know, they're, a less they're, discerning audience. Yeah, there were. They, I was the only one, you know, south of Nebraska that worked up there. So, um, so you, everybody got used to what I was putting out there, and it was fine. It was for what it was. It, it served its purpose and everything. But uh, you know, it, it probably fell along the lines of like what you would get if you went and got uh, barbecue at Dickies or, or something like that. Like it's, it's not terrible, but it's you know, it is just what it is. And uh, so we, uh, I got I got to that point where I try to tread in water. Like I'm sitting out here in the middle of nowhere in Wyoming, and I'd like to slowly, you know, start to move on again, Mr. Fear Commitment again. And uh, so I ended up working for uh, I left the, the ranch and ended up moving uh, down to the town of Jackson and working for Jacksonville Mountain Resort strictly just to get a, a free ski pass. Well, I was gonna say, and I think there, there's several 1980 ski movies that that this is part of Absolutely. maybe maybe you watched the movie and had this or maybe it was a dream after watching the movie but um, right. i mean that that is at, you, at the age you were the time of your life that that's a pretty spectacular yeah. job right absolutely absolutely you're like 27 years old just like you know i'm just no commitment still whatsoever there's no relationships no nothing holding me down except for my dog which had been with me every step of the way and uh so i found a found a good place for me and the me and the pup and uh Went and uh, worked a, a winter season there at the at the mountain, just strictly so I could snowboard for free, which worked out well. And uh, ended up doing an, another fine dining gig after the season was over for uh, about nine or ten months uh, down in the town of Jackson, and it worked out really well. And uh, learned a ton from from Chef Tim there, and was uh, was doing well. But the whole fine dining game—it's all I've ever known. You know, I've done some catering and whatnot, and a few odd jobs here and there, but. Ninety percent of my work experience from age, you know, fifteen or whatever, was fine dining, and so I was looking for a change. All right, and, and and at this time, Jordan was still at Stanley's, had kind of been trying to get you to come down and, <coughs> and start learning the barbecue game back in Texas, but you weren't ready to commit yet. 
I, I was working mornings at Stanley's and they were putting a lot of pressure on me to start working nights because we were having problems with a lot of the employees at night, you know, a bunch of jackasses at night. It's everywhere you go. It's not just there. It's like anywhere I've ever worked, all the jackasses work at night. So they were, they kept trying to put pressure on me to, to um, start working nights again. And, I, man, it was just so hard because me and Jonathan, there was days we were cooking like 70 briskets and trimming them. You know, that's, that's two people doing all this. It's a lot of work in there, like trying to separate us. And all I kept telling them was like, how in the hell can we split this day up when two people can barely do it? So I was like, Scott, you got to move back. you got to move back to Texas and take this n- damn night shift over over here. And he's like, no, I'm I'm happy with what I'm doing. And so, you know, me and Scott would talk every so often. And so we got to the end of my tenure at Stanley's. And... Me and the general manager just had too many differences, and so I stepped down from my position, and I started working for Bodacious. Right, and so uh, so so now we've got we've got Jordan at Bodacious. Um, were you working at this location, the Marbury location, or <coughs> actually, um, I, I went on deliveries with Sauce, and I helped. We had some problems at our Livingston store, and Roland and I went down there and closed it and um, cleaned it up, and it's still sitting there for sale if anybody wants to buy it. <laughs> um, Livingston, Texas. Livingston, Texas. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Hey, y'all need a spot. <laughs> Nobody's doing it big in Livingston. It's not far. Um, so we went down there, and we spent about a month down there, about five days a week, living in a hotel and cleaning it up and changing everything and getting it ready in case it was to be run again or we had uh, Larry modify the pit that was down there because it had been just not taken care of very well and so we got that done and then I got done with that and so I kind of helped at the Glade Water store a little bit and I finally was just got, I got itchy and was wanting to come open this store it needed to be open because Roland had been sick and it had been sitting here for like 15 months unopened and so I got my wife's key and this, this is the original this very first store that he opened in Long Beach this is like this is what started the whole everything it, and the chain right had grown to over 80 locations at that point how many was the total do you know um, I'm sure if it's 80 or there, we have 23 okay that's right a now. lot less than 80 that was my <laughs> <point>. <laughs> Highway 80. There we go. <laughs> there was one on Highway 80. No, um, I think that I countered for a story the other day I did with uh, Cody Neathery. I, I sat there and racked my brain. I believe there's 23 of them. And this is the one that started Bodacious. He had come from Dallas, and he was Little Rollins and all that. And they came here, and they were Little Rollins. And then I don't know exactly why they dropped Little Rollins. I don't think he liked it. I think he just wanted to be Bodacious Barbecue, and this is the first actual Bodacious barbecue. Bodacious is named after a uh, bull, right? No, the bull was named after Bodacious. Oh, the bull was named after yeah. Bodacious. How did they get the name Bodacious? Um, I, I believe it was at the Granberry stores, one of those stores somewhere. They went and ate there, and they asked if they could name the bull Bodacious, and they are like, well, hell yeah, and Roland got to pet him, and... 
Very cool. I guess he, he knew Bodacious, and then Primus wrote a song about it. Who's going to rap Bodacious? <laughs> that could be your theme song. <laughs> there you go. Shout out to Primus. That's <laughs> <laughs> what's going on with that song right now. Um, so... I think Winona's Big Brown Beaver is the first Primus song that comes to mind. Yeah. yeah. Possibly. I, I don't know. <laughs> I've listened to a few Primus songs. That's a, that's a good one. Yeah. Sailing the Seas of Cheese. Yeah, who didn't listen to that album? Okay. But, you know, it's funny. I didn't even know that that was a Primus song. Jonathan at Shaw at Stanley's, is, I, I believe he's the one that pointed it out to me, and I listened to it. I'm like, holy shit, there's a, we have a theme song at Bodacious now. And so, yeah, when Roland dropped the name, he, I believe the second one they ever opened was in Mount Pleasant, and they came back. And I believe this third one was on Green Street in 80, and then they opened the one on 6th Street. And, man, it just went from there. He would – most of the stores, Roland went and opened himself, and then somebody was working for him and like, hey, let me take this over. And, you know, he would pass the reins to him and or however their agreement was. And, and from what I understand, you couldn't, <coughs> you couldn't buy a franchise. You had to kind of work and yeah, earn it. And it was – was, It's a little – that. It's like he didn't sell it to you. He, like – he just took over, and then you just kind of, like, picked up from where he left off, and you were responsible for it and all that good stuff. So I came over here, and this place was almost pristine. Like, when he, from the time he closed, it had been sitting there for, like, 15 months. It was like you could have opened it that day, like, cleaned a little bit, you know, cobwebs and stuff. But it was amazing how clean this place was, and... So he's like, what pits do you want? And I knew where some were of his. They were in Tatum, and there was one in Paris, and we got them all here. And all, all of the bodacious use Bewley pits, is that yes, correct? Yes, that is correct. That is one thing. They've, he's had a relationship. Use, yeah, we do them. not use gas pits. Somebody said something about that the other day. Hmm. They're all Bewleys, and I believe Roland's almost designed every one of them, except for the people who actually have one made after they were a franchise. But anywhere that Roland opened, he designed all the pits. And I and believe in a few minutes, we'll, like, we'll come out and take a look at your pits again and, and kind of go over them because they're all very unique. They are very unique. And he's he's built over, I believe, about 89 pits with Bewley. And they're funny. Maybe that's where I got the 80 number. I think it, I th- honestly, I think it is the pits, not the location. Yeah, we've got more pits than locations. Um, but Larry and them, they'll build you. They'll build you kind of whatever you want, but they won't. They don't like to build you something like, "Hey, I've got this pit right here. I need another one. I need y'all to build it." And he's always like, "No matter how good I build it, like that other one that you have, it's not going to be the same, and you're going to blame me for it." So they kind of, kind of like to stay traditional to their 1100 format and 800s. And um, but Rowan is like this crazy exception where. All these pits are so different. Anything it's almost want. the Willy Wonka of pits out there. It is. It's very. Each pit is completely yeah, different really than the is. other. It's it's crazy. Like you know, all these people who are pit masters, like most of them have these barrels, and they're 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 all similar designs and stuff to each other, and they have the stacks going out the end with a ninety going up. But you go in our pit room, you're just like. What the fuck? <laughs> what are these pits? And you don't know what what they're about until you open them up. I mean, you could you'll have an idea of what the pit is when you look at it from the outside, but then you open it up and you're just like, I've never seen a pit like that. That's what everybody says. Like, how does that work? Uh, pretty well. And we're all four here when when you when you open back up. Actually, no. Um, 
the warming pit was in Tatum underneath a drive-through. Um, the Puerto Rican pit, which we'll get to that later. Um, I believe it might have been at Tatum too, just being stored. And then the Danny Tanner, which we'll get to that later too. Um, it was in Paris underneath a uh, awning. It would be better if we don't get to it and people are wondering what the hell we're talking about. <laughs> Danny Tanner. If you've ever watched Full House, uh, Bob Saget's character, uh, Danny Tanner, was, you know, the, the father that, I guess, everybody needed to be. And um, just about all the episodes, he always would, like, put Michelle or the baby or the girls to sleep. And since we would we start all of our briskets on a barrel and then move it over to that pit, I kind of had the idea one night that, like, we need to call that pit Danny Tanner because it's putting all these briskets to sleep for us, and it just you need to play the happy yeah. full house music as you yeah. have and like all the briskets on Michelle. Where are you having the life lesson on the couch right Absolutely. before you? Like how many Michelles did y'all cook? You know, briskets, <laughs> the briskets represent Michelle. You know, and so we we named it Danny Tanner, just real funny, and then we posted it on <laughs> social media, and people thought it was funny. So we kind of now it's just Danny. Like now, when me and Scott talk about. What's going on with our pits when we're in the middle of a service? Like, hey, on the left side of Danny, you know, I've got four slabs of ribs that are finishing up, or the right side of Danny, and it's really funny, and people have no idea what the hell we're talking about. <laughs> well, now they do. Yeah, yeah. We, like, when we say the Puerto Rican, we kind of say it quietly, and we don't. <laughs> yeah. it, it's just what I've heard it called. I didn't name it that. Well, since I'm part Puerto Rican. <clears throat> It's now okay. Like you right. can call it. Yeah. yeah it's, I bless it. So yeah. A man named Ted used to make them. He was Puerto Rican. And I was, was, I was nervous like, there for a second. I thought you well, since I'm Puerto Rican, fuck you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I am extremely offended by this. Um, well, this concludes this podcast. All right. <laughs> We're done. We're done. But, no, we, 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 we've got to get we've got to get Scott back oh, yes. to Texas. Yes. Now. yes. We're going to leave you with that cliffhanger to end this episode. Join us for part two of our interview with Jordan and Scott from Bodacious Barbecue.